Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical. This is the Falcoholic Podcast, the official podcast of the Atlanta Falcons on the SB Nation Podcast Network. I'm David Walker, and I'm joined by my partner in crime, Evan Birchfield, to recap the Falcons' Week 16 win, their first and only win in Atlanta in 2021 against the, uh, the Detroit Lions. They won 20-16 to 16 in Week 16 to move to 7-8. and eight. Uh, Before we get into all of that, Evan, how are you doing, man? Uh, I'm good. Um you know, outside of football, I hope everyone had a great uh, weekend, Christmas weekend, holiday season, however you spend it. Um, and then, yeah, we got to enjoy some football the following day. And uh, yeah, it was a, there was a football game. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think it's generous to call it a football game. Um, well, the one thing I'm happy about, they wore the Falcons wore their throwbacks yeah, and they right. actually won in them. <laughs> and usually they suck in them. So like, you know, I, I mean, they, I really love those uniforms. So like, I wish they would play better in them and to see them finally win a game in them was, uh, was good. Yeah. Um, and I'll tell you this, man, uh, these kind of wins, they can be um, deflating, but at the same time, you know, the Falcons have seven wins and it's weird, isn't it? It is. And they like, think they have seven wins and eight losses but it feels like they have mo- way more losses for some reason. It it truly does. And realistically, this is a team. Uh, now, I don't think anyone's picking them to beat the Bills next week, but this is a team that in theory could finish above 500. I don't think it's happening. I don't think it's happening, no. but they're they're still capable of I finishing mean, and, nine. And, and nobody wants eight. to talk about it. They can still make the playoffs. Like this was a crucial win yeah. where they have to win out, yeah. but also need help. And then beating the Lions, you know, still keeps them alive. Yeah, and the 49ers losing um, kept their hopes alive a little bit as well. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I, um, I, I thought we were done talking about the playoffs. Me but. and you are, but we have to address <laughs> – it's an elephant in the room because there is a corner of fans who are still, like, thinking that's going to happen, which it technically can, so we have to address it, even though yes. it most likely won't, and even if it did – that would be a horrendous game, <laughs> whoever they're playing. It would. It, it would be. It would feel like a waste of a playoff spot. You and I have beat right. that horse to death, resurrected it, and beat it again. And we'll continue to do it, so. And we'll, because the Falcons <laughs> somehow uh, in yeah. December are still uh, mathematically not out of it. Um, right. Point, even if the odds are heavily stacked against them. Um, but let's get into the game. And before we get into the offense, the defense, what they did, um, Evan, give us a quick recap on the situation coming in for the Falcons, active players, inactive for both teams. Yeah, so on the Lions end, they were without safety. Jalen Elliott, uh, running back Jamar Jefferson was a healthy scratch. Uh, linebacker Julian Aquara, I'm messing his name up. Uh, running back DeAndre Swift, who was kind of the one to keep an eye on um, right. throughout the week. He's like 
insanely good, even though the Lions aren't a good team overall. Like they would be so much worse if he wasn't um, part of their team and yeah. he was inactive. Um, and then linebacker Josh Woods. For the Falcons, there was only four names because they've got some people on uh, the COVID list. Um, Marlon Davidson, and uh, I believe it was today when um, Tyler Davison went on yes. uh, COVID. So the Falcons inactives are um, Tajay Sharp, who's been dealing with injury all week. So that wasn't really a surprise. Um, quarterback Josh Rosen, another healthy scratch, um, which kind of shows that Felipe Franks, you know, he's the backup. Um, defensive lineman, John, uh, John Kaminsky and offensive lineman, Josh Andrews, um, who have, you know, been inactive for most of the season. Uh, but yeah, that was three. So technically three defensive linemen, the Falcons were without, um, in this game. Yeah. And I think the, you know, one of the more notable names for the lions is obviously quarterback Jared Goff went onto the COVID list. Right. I think last Monday, as a matter of fact, and, did not get cleared in time, so he ended up missing this game. The Falcons faced backup quarterback Tim Boyle, um, who we'll talk about a little bit later when we talk about the Lions' offense in the second half. Um, but, yeah, the, the Falcons, 20 points at home. Again, not an impressive performance. Um, it, but I think some solid numbers all around. Uh, you know, Matt Ryan, I felt, was – had one of his better games in, in recent weeks. And, of course, there were several standouts – uh, I think offensively around him. So mm-hmm. uh, give us the rundown of what the offense, the Falcons offense did on the day, because uh, even though it wasn't like an outstanding performance there, there were yeah. still some decent numbers put up. Yeah. Uh, Matt Ryan, 18 completions uh, for 215 yards, one touchdown, zero interceptions, a passer rating of 115.8. Um, it was a okay day for Matt Ryan. Like it, he didn't cost them anything, um, but on that first drive, I believe he was sacked like three times. Um, so out of the gate, that was rough start um, for Atlanta, especially the offensive line. Not so much Matt Ryan's fault. Um, on the ground, um, it was it was okay, I guess. Uh, we've seen it before, but uh, Davison and Patterson basically split, uh, split carries on the ground. Davis had seven carries for 28 yards. That's an average of four yards per carry. Um, and then Cordero Patterson, seven carries for 14 yards. Uh, that's averaging two yards per carry. So not as good, but he did score. Um, and then through the air, I mean, that was like, you know, the most notable name Kyle Pitts had a really solid day, uh, six receptions from six targets. So he caught all his passes, 102 yards. Um, he broke Tony Gonzalez's, uh, franchise record for tight ends. Yeah. In his rookie season, no less like that's absurd, but, um, he broke, uh, Tony Gonzalez's record, which was 930 yards by a tight end, like regardless of what season, obviously. Um, and he's currently at 949 finishing this game. And Tony Gonzalez did that. That was uh, 2012 when Tony Gonzalez was an all pro and pro bowler. Yeah. Um, obviously Pitts is a pro bowler. We'll see about the all pro part, but um, Tony Gonzalez did that in 16 games. Pitts uh, still has, you know, the next game would technically be game 16, right? Yep. So um, he's going to blow that out according to, uh, past, you know, scheduling, but also because of scheduling now he'll get two extra games to kind of pad his own record. Um, and then aside from that, uh, Hayden Hurst, two receptions, 21 yards and a touchdown, uh, Russell Gage, four receptions, 39 yards and almost insanely bad fumble that would have cost the foul. Well, actually it was an insanely bad fumble regardless, but people yes. will 
give him a little, you know, slack because of how the game uh, turned out due to the Falcons defense. But that's basically um, summarizing the Falcons offense. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, as for Kyle Pitts, that record, by the way, is a Falcons um, franchise record. Right. Uh, NFL. Um, and as you mentioned, the last tight end in NFL history to go over a thousand yards um, was Mike Ditka, which is technically considered not the Super Bowl era um, in, in the same fashion that we think of now. Uh, so Kyle Pitts right now has the most yards for a rookie tight end in the quote unquote Super Bowl era. But Mike Ditka has the all time record at 1970 to now. Yeah, I think that's exactly right. And, okay. Um, so, I mean, just really, really impressive season yeah. from Kyle Pitts, no matter how you slice it. Mm-hmm. Um, and today's well, game, I think, reminded us why people sit there and notice like, oh, well, he's only got one touchdown. Like, yeah, but I mean, how many people on this Falcons team only have one touchdown, like through the air? Like, it's just not been efficient. For some reason, he hasn't been utilized in the red zone. But man, when you watch him play, like, uh, it's, it it seems so much like he's like a young Julio Jones, like obviously different body type slightly, uh, Pitts is, you know, bigger because he's a tight end, but he's going to be good down the road. Like if you, if you watch these games and you don't come around, come away excited you know if you're coming away going oh man he didn't score a touchdown he's going like think down the road like how much better he's going to get he's only a rookie like in an offense that hasn't really functioned well for most of the season like it's crazy yeah it's uh and every time he touches the ball it just seems Mm -hmm. like he turns it into a big gain um and uh, yet another impressive sideline catch. I think that one went for 30, 35 yards and he just makes it look effortless. The guy regularly beats, uh, you know, and the lions were without their top corner, but um, he, he still beats, you know, guys who are supposed to be covering wide receivers. And I've had people tell me this and you're absolutely right. Uh, Kyle Pitts is essentially a wide receiver um, when he is um, flexed out wide. But one of the things I think he doesn't get a lot of credit for is the fact that, as the season has progressed, he has gotten better and better as a run blocker and as a pass blocker. Um, so some of those responsibilities for a tight end that a lot of people thought he was going to struggle with in year one and in, in maybe even year two, not something that he was asked to do a lot of uh, in college because obviously he was just such a dangerous weapon. Well, now not only is he a dangerous weapon, he's becoming a more complete tight end before our eyes. And that just that's crazy. Like if you can have him out there on every offensive snap, because you can rely on him uh, in the running game as well as in the passing game, that just it it adds an, another element to your offense. Um, and I think that's why the Falcons drafted him. Now, look, there are a lot of people that are going to get my mentions and have gotten my mentions over the past several weeks, saying we should have drafted Micah Parsons. You know, he's a game changer on defense blah, blah, blah. And look, I get it. Micah Parsons has been outstanding this year. I'm not going to deny that. Um, he is not only in line for, def- you know, rookie of the year, defensive rookie of the year. He is also in line for um, pro- possibly the defensive player of the year for the Cowboys. Um, that said, you know, the Falcons have pits. And the question is, is this guy going to turn into, you know, the kind of weapon we all hope he will? And I think he will. Um one thing I mentioned on Twitter is I actually think that Kyle Pitt's rookie season is more impressive than Julio's rookie season, in part because Pitts has had to come in 
uh, and be the focal point of the offense essentially from day one, you know, apart from Cordero Patterson. And the guy has been double teamed for the majority of the year, you know, basically since Calvin Ridley went out. And he has had to be the, the center of attention. And he's just been getting so much attention from, you know, safeties over the top and sometimes is covered by the top corner uh, on the defense. You know, when Julio came in, he was playing with peak Roddy White, um, Tony Gonzalez, and in the backfield, you have Michael Turner before, his, you know, the wheels came off. Um, and, you know, Julio had Roddy White basically mentoring him in his first several years and how to transition to the NFL game, how to be a good NFL receiver. Um, Kyle Pitts has put together this rookie season essentially without that kind of mentorship from another highly successful veteran receiver on the team. Uh, in my mind, that is that has made his job even harder, not to mention the fact that his position requires so much more out of him. He's not just simply a wide receiver. Um, he has those tight end responsibilities as well. I've been very impressed with the season Kyle Pitts has had. This game going over 102 yards, even though he didn't get, get a touchdown, I'm sorry for all the fantasy people who own him, um, still, in my mind, just further – cementing that his second year could be absolutely bonkers um, in the NFL. If he's doing this in year one, Evan, I, I don't know about you. I, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing what he can do with, you know, a weapon with more or an offense with more weapons around him uh, in his second year. And then you got to think too, um, how many tight ends actually, you know, even the great ones like Travis Kelsey, uh, Mark Andrews, George Kittle, like th none of them hit the ground running, like straight out of being, you know, being a rookie. There's a reason like Kyle Pitts is being talked up. I mean, as you said, like he's basically got the record. If you ignore uh, pre 1970 or whatever, um, he's looked tremendous on the field, but the stats are backing it up. Yeah. I'm excited. And, and you can go, Oh, well, you know, Michael Parsons, like, Maybe, but they didn't do that. So there's really no reason to keep looking right. back at it. And then on top of it, are we really going to judge, you know, in fairness to both players, um, you know, their careers based on a season that's not even completed yet? Like what happens if yeah. Kyle Pitts, and I'm not saying it's one way or the other, but what if Kyle Pitts goes on to be, you know, the next Travis Kelsey and Michael Parsons turns out to be, you know, a good pass rusher, but not like, you know, uh, Aaron Donald type, like, dominant best defensive player you know that people seem to think he's headed towards which he might be I don't know but I just think it's kind of unfair to start judging these two players who are succeeding at both of their positions I mean yeah like wh why even bother you know bashing them I guess it's different philosophies like obviously the Falcons need a pass rush and they've always needed a pass rush so that's what well, you know you could argue yeah they should have gone with Micah Parsons but also this Falcons offense could you imagine it right now without Kyle Pitts like oh, obviously you couldn't really foresee Calvin Ridley but I'm yeah it would be a I mean if you think it's a da disaster now like it would have been just abysmal like so yeah I, I I mean you just see the different philosophies they wanted to target a impactful um offensive weapon and he's clearly shown he can be that and yeah I think there'll be more targets in the red zone next year um I'm kind of, I don't quite understand why there hasn't been, obviously, but um, it is what it is. And he's still, you know, putting up numbers on the field. So, yeah. Um, and to round out the, the talk on the Falcons offense, uh, that first drive for the Falcons, 
Matt Ryan was sacked three times in five offensive plays uh, in that yeah. first drive, which was, I mean, I don't have to tell you guys how stupid that was. The, thankfully, the Falcons offensive line settled down for the most part. They still were not good. And the running game was, um, after having three straight weeks of really, really good run blocking, uh, the past two weeks, this week and last week, have been subpar. Uh, and actually, the, you know, the past two weeks, Cordero Patterson has been basically a non-factor in the offense, which is sort of interesting. Um, Mike Davis was the better runner on the day, even though Patterson ended up with the touchdown run. Um, it's interesting to see how you know Patterson now for the past two games has not been that big of a factor uh, in Hall. He didn't even—I uh, think he caught one pass and it lost like a yard, so he had negative one receiving yards on the day. Um, so that was. You know, not great, but not a lot of targets either. That's the weird thing. Yeah, just two, just two for him. And then um, two last week, but then the weeks before he had five and five in each of the two games before that. So it's like they're just, I don't know. He's, I don't know. I don't think it has to do with that injury he had earlier, but um, yeah, they're just kind of phased him out of the receiving game. And yeah, his carries have been going down from uh, last three weeks 16 carries, 11 carries to now seven. So yeah. Um, We'll, we'll see how this plays out over the next two games. Uh, I, obviously, going up to Buffalo next week, I would, I would think that both Davis and Patterson are going to see a lot more snaps running the ball. Um, the Falcons are not going to want to go up into Buffalo and try to get into a, a shootout and passing the ball you know, nonstop. Um, and frankly, they didn't even do that today. They only had 24 pass attempts. Uh, and 18 running attempts, uh, primarily because the the Lions' offense uh, dominated time of possession. They actually had uh, 33 run attempts and t- 35 pass attempts. So that gives you an idea of how lopsided this game was. Incidentally, this game went by so fast. It was under three hours, which I'm kind of grateful for that we didn't have to watch <laughs> Falcons and Lions for like three and a half hours. So um, to the two teams, uh, my sincere thanks for not making this one of the most painful experiences of my life and tracking it out. Um, all right. But on that note, we're going to talk about what the lions did on offense and conversely what the Falcons did on defense, which honestly wasn't a whole lot, but before we do that, we're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. This is advertiser content brought to you by Frito-Lay. Hello, I'm Chip Murphy here to get you ready for the big tournament. Tonight we'll break down. We break down who will be cutting... Cut! What are you two doing? Sorry, Chip. Prez here got his feathers ruffled when I told him Ruffles has zero chance of winning the title. And I was letting Dip know that she is not taking into account Ruffles' iconic ridges. Guys, it's March. We have to start talking about the tournament. We are. It is the 2023 Frito-Lay Snack-It. We're talking about big-time matchups between Cheetos, Smart Food, Lay's, Sun Chips, and more. Just head to the Frito-Lay Snack Bracket and vote for your favorite chip, pretzel, or dip for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. This sounds great. Keep up the good work. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends 4-3-2023. Void wherever hip. Here's worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. And we're back on the Falcoholic Podcast. This is Dave Walker. I'm joined by Evan Birchfield, recapping the Falcons' Week 16 win 
in Atlanta, 20 to 16 over the two and 12 Detroit lions um, with Tim freaking Boyle at quarterback. <laughs> um, this was, let me say this. First of all, obviously the lions are a two win team. They're one of the worst teams in football. Everyone agrees with that. Um, you know, no one thought the lions were going to win this game, but at the same time, um, I do want to say the lions have been a tough out the past several weeks and they beat the Arizona Cardinals last week. They didn't just beat them. Like they curb stomped them. Um, to his credit, I think Dan Campbell, the head, the new head coach for the Lions, has these guys playing like really tough. They just have a, a severe lack of talent. Um, yeah, and you know, even though Jared Goff wasn't in there, Jared Goff is not a good quarterback anymore. You know, without Sean McVay, he is he is just clearly not the kind of guy to build a franchise around. Um, but this offense has some good running backs, uh, and their best running back wasn't in there. But uh, Craig Reynolds um, and, oh, my goodness, uh, Jamal Williams have mm-hmm. been doing a good job uh, in, in his absence. And I think we saw that today, um, which is why when I did my prediction for the Falcons, um, I thought it was going to be a close game, um, closer than a lot of people thought. And for this reason, I, I felt like the Lions running game uh, would keep it close by keeping the Falcons offense off the field, which is what we saw. They dominated time of possession. Um, and ultimately, you know, Tim Boyle became Tim Boyle at the end of the game and it saved the Falcons, but he had a strong game for, you know, 95% uh, of this game. So give us the recap, uh, Evan, of what the Lions did offensively, because these numbers are actually, I mean, it, they're all over the place, frankly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, as you mentioned, Tim Boyle, um, obviously you see the interception when you look at the stats, but he had a safe day until the very end where, you know, that kind of lost him the game, but he had 24 completions on 34 attempts, 187 yards, a touchdown. And then that late interception, um, consider, you know, you know what Tim Boyle is. He's a backup low end backup. And he came in and, you know, had the lions playing competitively against Falcons and in a position to where they could have won. Um, so, I mean, I, I have no, you know, uh, nothing as bad to say against Tim Boyle, like for yeah. what he did and for what, you know, the position he was thrown into. Um, I, I think he had an okay day. Um, it's just a mistake late in the game um, that cost them the W. Um, on the ground, Jamal Williams, as you mentioned, pretty solid day, 19 carries, 77 yards. Um, Craig went- Reynolds, who was on the Falcons practice squad um, a year or two ago, um, 11 carries, 29 yards. Um and then through the air, uh, Amon Ross St. Brown, uh, their rookie wide receiver, um, had the biggest day on 11 targets. He caught nine passes for 91 yards and a touchdown. Um, aside from that, you know, not a lot, lot going on there. Um, but as you mentioned, like the Falcons and Lions, two teams that have just lost so many, you know, talented players. And you look at what the Lions, you know, TJ Hawkinson, one of the better tight ends in the NFL. Mm-hmm. He's done for the season with, uh, I think, a hand injury um, and also being without DeAndre Swift, who, you know, he's tremendous on the ground, as I mentioned. And, you know, the, as bad as Jared Goff has been, like their starting quarterback didn't play in this game. Um, so I'm not taking the win away from the Falcons, but the Lions are a beat up team. And I think that's a credit to their head coach that they're still playing tough. Um 
usually with these teams where they have like one or two losses towards the end of the season, you kind of see them fold and just pack it in. But the Lions are playing, I mean, they're tough, tough opponent. Look, yeah. <laughs> look at this roster. The Falcons should have destroyed them, but they still played them tough until the very end. It almost, you know, snuck one by the Falcons and won. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I don't want to take anything away from the Lions, but they, uh, they played good football. And I, as I mentioned, I think that's a token to their head coach and hopefully he sticks around because I, I mean, I'm not on board with just firing head coaches after one year, unless no. there's like a, a reason off the field or something, but you know, the reports you hear about this Lions team, uh, the players love their head coach. And I think you can kind of see them playing for him on the field. Yeah, uh, exactly. Last week they beat the Cardinals 30 to 12. Um, Two weeks before that, they beat the Vikings twenty nine to twenty seven. Yeah, um, they they have played in a lot of close games. You know, they lost to the Bears sixteen fourteen, to the Browns thirteen ten. Uh, they tied with the Steelers sixteen sixteen. But this is a, a team that in recent weeks has kept these games close um, against better teams. You know, and in some cases against much better teams, they've kept the game close. Um, and I think you can get caught up in the records and get caught up in like the personnel and forget a lot of times these teams, you know, even though you look at the talent, you say, oh, the Falcons should win. It's, you know, look at, you know, how poor their, their roster is. I, I actually, I think Dan Campbell's doing a hell of a job in Detroit the, with yeah. the way these guys are playing. Um, I would look out for them in 2022 of being a team that makes a big leap forward and win loss record. If they can make, you know, the right picks, get guys like TJ Hawkinson back. Um, you know, round out the the you know weak points of their roster a little bit better. They could be a much more competitive team next year, and that's not to say that you know. Look, the Falcons. I don't know if you could say the Falcons have a dramatically better roster than the Lions. The Lions actually have a, a fairly decent offensive line, and we saw that today because the Falcons couldn't generate any pressure as usual. Um, I think if you look at the Falcons, you look at Pitts and you look at, you know, Ryan and uh, Patterson, you're like, oh, they've been, you know, even maybe Russell Gage. You look at the say, oh, they've got some weapons on offense, but then you look at what the offensive line does, you know, with guys like Mayfield and Hennessy and then McGarry, uh, and you realize it really begins to stifle uh, and shut down this, um, this Falcons offense. So uh, honestly, I, <laughs> The Falcons and Lions are probably closer in talent than we want to admit, um, just from a whole roster standpoint. Like, and the thing is, the Falcons roster may look dramatically different next year. Um, we're going to have this conversation on the podcast in the offseason, but the Falcons, I think, only have 24, 25 players under contract going into 2022. Um, so the composition of this, of this roster could look very, very different going forward, which may be good news to some fans <laughs> who don't want to see this Falcons team continue to show up every Sunday. Um, but as it stands, uh, Evan, they're seven and eight, man. And yeah, uh, they have a chance. Again, I'm not predicting a win in Buffalo, <laughs> but they have a chance uh, at nine wins. I think more realistically, they have a chance at eight wins uh, through their last game where they host the Saints, um, who could be without you know, it depends on how their quarterback situation plays out. Um, the Saints could be playing Ian Book at that point. We, we faced Trevor Simeon the last time around. Um, God, that would be hilarious. But yeah, right now, again, not a good Falcons team. Um, I'm, we're not celebrating this win as some sort of major proof that the the Falcons are you know this 
much better team. Like I, I, I think everyone is looking at this team and making the correct assessment, which is like, they may be seven and eight, but they're not a good team. Like we've been saying this on the podcast, I think week in and week out, like <laughs> this is not a playoff team. No one, no one in Atlanta thinks that this is a playoff team. Um, even if statistically they're still in it. Um, so yeah, with that, Evan, you have any final thoughts on the game? I do want to give one shout out. Um, we didn't talk much about the Falcons defense, um, because they just didn't do a whole lot. (laughs) Again, they didn't have any sacks, but, um, kudos to Foye Lucan who closed out the game with that, uh, game clinching interception of Tim Boyle. Um, when the Lions were basically inside the 10 and it looked like they were going to you know, win the game in the last second. And Floyd Lucan uh, read the quarterback and, and got that pick. So that was a great, great play by him. Um, and, and I didn't want to take anything away from him. And also, again, because we don't mention special teams enough, um, uh, Young Wei Koo with two long field goals, including a 53-yarder, uh, which was essentially the difference in this game. You know, Falcons won by four. Uh, those two field goals, those six points were the difference in the Falcons' win versus a loss. So credit to Young Wei Koo um, for what he did. Um, Evan, any final thoughts as we wrap this one up and, and look forward to Week 17 in Buffalo? Honestly, no. Just, uh, you know, enjoy these last couple games because, as I mentioned before, like once it hits the off season and there's no games, like you start craving some football and, you know, there's still football to be played with two games left. Um if they may, you know, if they miss the playoffs, which they probably will, that's, you know, okay. And if they make it somehow, um, more football, I guess, but yeah, seven <laughs> and eight, I would say they are, you know, there's some teams like the 49ers where they're probably better than their record says, um, Falcons are probably worse than their, what the record says. Um, and that's okay. But, you know, considering the games they've had in the roster, they currently have, I'll take seven and eight, um, you know, yeah. currently, I think that's a pretty good record given this is the regime's first year. Um, you know, I think that gets lost because the season does seem like it's been going on forever. But <laughs> this is Arthur Smith and Terry Fontenot's first go at it. Uh, they only had one off season, so before we start grabbing pitchforks and wanting everybody to get fired, um, I just you know, and I think that's kind of chilled off a little with recent wins because um, there for you know a couple weeks it was for some reason, really hot, but you really don't get an idea what this, you know, new regime's going to be doing until year two or three, I would yeah. say year three, but I know people yeah. don't want to wait that long. Um, so Great we'll point. see what happens, but, um, yeah, going to Buffalo in, um, I guess that's still technically December either way. It's going to be cold and maybe snowy. I don't know, but that's, that's such a bad matchup for this Falcons team that likes to, you know, <laughs> has is. enjoyed playing inside. <laughs> oh man, it's it's that's going to be brutal. I think technically it'll be January second, right? Is okay, right? yeah, it'll, well, be January it'll probably 2nd. it's still going to be cold. That's my it's, yes, <laughs> it's just January in upstate New York. That right. is going to be miserable um, for guys like you said who are used to um, playing essentially uh, on turf. In it was literally in the mid seventies, early the low mid seventies in Atlanta today. So. Um, yeah, that's going to be a bit of a, a shock to the system for guys coming out of 70 degree weather to head up to Buffalo. Oh, yeah. my goodness. And, and we will be here later this week to talk about and preview that Buffalo game on the podcast. Um, and as for me, I, I think, you know, the, the, as you said, rookie head coach, new regime, new GM, um, they've had to rebuild this team. 
And I know a lot of fans are trying to think about what 2022 is going to look like in the context of this current team. And the reality is we don't know. Um, I, I think there's some positives. I think there are some things that Arthur Smith has done that has rightfully drawn criticism. Um, but in games like this, the, the Falcons are seven and two in one score games this year. Um, that is something that we haven't seen for the past several years. So um, that is, in my mind, an improvement over the preaching previous uh, coaching staff. Uh, and right now, I'd rather see the Falcons win than lose. And I know some fans are worried about draft yeah. position. The Falcons right now still have a top 10 pick as it stands. Um, so it, we haven't necessarily forfeited dramatic draft position uh, for these wins, but I think it's easier to rebuild a club when you're winning football games as opposed to losing all of them. Um, so yeah, it, just in, try to enjoy some aspects, enjoy Kyle Pitts, um, enjoy watching this rookie, you know, set records and, and put together an impressive mm -hmm. season. Um, you know, yeah. enjoy Cordero Patterson and what he does for this offense. Yeah. Yeah. I just want to say, you know, towards the end when, with Julio Jones, when you can kind of tell, you know, seeing Julio Jones injured or on the sidelines and you kind of knew, even if you didn't admit it, that you know, all those great years to see in Julio Jones, like in a Falcons uniform, dominating games was probably over. Mm -hmm. Like you're getting to start over with Kyle Pitts right now. Like, yeah, exactly. Live in the moment, like you're enjoy these games. Like he's going to, you know, I know the touchdowns aren't there yet. Wait, it's going to happen like next year and stuff yeah. like that. Like this, he's, he's going to be so good. And he's already showed it breaking records and stuff, but just be patient. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, we watch these games to have fun. Uh, and I know the games like this could be frustrating, but, uh, and I know some people don't want to look at any of the positives, but if you don't, it's going to get really, really dark, really, really fast. with this Falcons <laughs> team. <laughs> and we've got two games left um, to, to finish up the 2021 season. Uh, next week, the Falcons, as we mentioned, do travel up to Buffalo to face the Buffalo bills, uh, a team that um, right now is still in the playoff hunt. They beat new England today. So yeah. they're, you know, in New England, too. In New England, mm -hmm. no less. Uh, so they, they split the series with them this year. Uh, this is going to be a, a tough, tough game. Obviously not one that any of us are expecting. I, I imagine the Falcons are going to be 10-point-plus dogs in, in this game going up to Buffalo. But we'll see how, we'll see how the odds makers uh, look at that one tomorrow. Uh, and then finally, last game of the season will be January 9th in Atlanta hosting the New Orleans Saints. That could be a game where Atlanta – has the potential to upset uh, New Orleans playoff hopes. So and sweep them out. What's that? And sweep them. Yes. Who, oh God. Who, I mean, I don't know. I don't know. I should know this, but I don't know if the top of my head last time they sweep them. And then on top of that, to do it under a first year head coach and GM. Uh, I mean, that, that would be pretty good. Like even if they don't make the playoffs, which they probably won't, but that would feel almost to me like a playoff win if they yeah. sweep the Saints. So, yeah. like if they, if they, and it, and it can happen. Like, it, as you mentioned, like, I don't know what their quarterback situation is going to be like if Ian Book's still the quarterback or whatever. Yeah. But, you know, exactly. Um, and, you know, thing is, if the Falcons finish eight and nine, but beat the Saints twice in the first year under um, Arthur Smith, that would be a hell of a way for him to wrap up his first year with the Falcons. Like, that would buy a lot of grace in my book, at least. Um, we'll see how it plays out. We've, we've got a couple weeks before we get to that point. Um, all right, with that said, Evan, remind our listeners where they can find you, what you have going on. Yeah, you can find me on 
Twitter at M Birchfield, writing at the Falcolic. Um, just doing injury reports during the week. And uh, yeah, just go to falcolic.com for everything Falcons related. All right. And that's for me, guys. You can follow me on Twitter at FalcoholicDW. Updates for this podcast at FalcoholicPod. And of course, our articles daily at thefalcoholic.com. So for Evan Birchfield, this is David Walker. Thank you guys for listening in. We'll talk with you next time.